have your Bibles with you, and if you don't, uh, no big deal. We have it on the screen so you can look at it. 2 Corinthians 5, we start in verse 20, and then go from there today. I'm excited. We're going to preach. This is going to be the last part of this series. We've been talking about finished on Sunday morning, talking about the finished work of what Jesus has done for us. So that's what we're going to talk about today, finished. But the last uh, part of this message I'm going to share in a second, uh, I'm really excited about. And we're, and we're going to finish this finished message. We're going to finish it up today. And, and we're going to go out on top, coming out of the grave and coming out of the tomb, Jesus resurrecting. And what does that mean for us today? Um, so 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now verse 21, this is kind of the key verse we're going to hang out in a lot today. It says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So notice it says, For he made him... That's Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that's all of you, including me, uh, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message today is called The Great Exchange. The Great Exchange. Look at your neighbor say, The Great Exchange. Look at your other neighbor that you don't like as much as the other neighbor and say, The Great Exchange. I'm joking, of course. We're joking here. We love everybody around here. The great exchange. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the great exchange. So um, for me to be able to preach this like I feel this, we're going to need to respond. That's just what we do at, at our church. I know other churches are quiet, and a quiet church is a dead church. But uh, uh, a speaking church is a living church. So we respond around here. Now, don't respond in the way that you disrupt the service, but we respond. And we get more when we respond more in the message. We say amen or oh me or preach it white boy or whatever we want to say. We say one of those things. Um, but we're going to start here. And uh, let's read again 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. We're going to pull that back up. 21. I love this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness or be right with God in him. The great exchange. So uh, I want to start today, and we're going to continue. We're going to talk about the cross uh, for a little bit. Then we're going to talk about uh, what happened in the resurrection. And then we're going to talk about the exchange that took place. Can we do that today? So uh, we talked about the cross actually last week. And uh, if you want to get online, you can get online and listen to those podcasts. But we talked about the cross is the cure. The cross is the cure for humanity, for mankind. The cross is the cure. And we all have a disease or a sickness, and it's called sin. And it can't be solved without the cross. The cross is the cure. And so we're going to continue to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about that today. But most people, if you ask them, uh, church people, non-church people, just anybody in the world, a, a lot of people have heard the name of Jesus and most people, if you ask them, even not in the church, if you said, what do you know about Jesus? Most people would say, more than anything, is they know Jesus died on a cross. Stop. That's all they know. Jesus died on a cross. So that, that's a good step, but that's just the first step. Jesus died on a cross. Uh, but, but it's known around the world, people have heard that Jesus died on the cross. The next question is, what is the point of that? Okay, Jesus died on the cross, but what is the point of Jesus dying on the cross? And the cross has become a, a common symbol today 
Uh, people wear cross necklaces. They have crosses on their car. They have cross tattoos. They have cross on their license plate. They have crosses. And a lot of people don't even know what cross the cross stands for, what it means. It's just a symbol. It's kind of like a good luck symbol, like a, um, what is it called, a rabbit's foot? Is that what they do? I was about to say a rabbit's ear. <laughs> it is Easter. I, a rabbit's foot. A rabbit's foot. It's like a good luck charm that they have, you know, a wear a cross, like you feel better about yourself and like God God forgives you and, and everything's got to be okay if I have a, I'm wearing a cross or I got a, a cross tattoo or I got a cross on my vehicle. And it's become a symbol that, that really doesn't mean a lot. It's just a, it's just a cross. Like I said, most people have become numb to the idea. It's just common when they hear Jesus died on a cross. It's like, yeah, what's your point? Jesus died on a cross. What's the big deal? And even church people get that way because they hear it their whole life and it becomes something that's, that's not special anymore. It's not significant anymore. It's not exciting anymore. And people sing about the cross and preach about the cross on Sunday morning and everybody's just like, yeah, I know this. Well, if you really knew it, you wouldn't be acting that way. You wouldn't be responding that way like it's not a big deal and it's nonchalant that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But it's become common, it's become familiar, and that be can happen to anything in our lives. But especially what God has done for us, Jesus dying on the cross can become a common thing. And we see that Good Friday, which we celebrated uh, this past Friday, uh, we celebrate when Jesus went to the cross. And the reason it's a Good Friday is because we see it through the lens of Sunday. Now this is where you're going to have to start kicking in with that response. The reason it's a good Friday is because we see it through the lens of Sunday. The Friday that Jesus experienced was not good, was not fun, was not an encouraging day, was not a blessed day, was not a fun day. The good Friday that we think about today was not one of those things. But we call it good Friday because it was good for us. It was great for us. It was a blessing to us. And so we see it through the lens of Sunday, him being resurrected and what that means for us today. But we see that Jesus was crucified on Good Friday, which we just celebrated. And we realize that he was crucified after Jesus was beaten and he was bruised and he was mocked. And we talked about a few weeks ago when Jesus was scourged, he was whipped and his back was torn apart. And by his stripes, we are healed. Come on now, somebody. That all happened before he went to the cross and they put a crown of thorns on his head and they beat him and they mocked him. And that all happened even before he went to the cross to suffer some more for us. And we see that Jesus, if you read your Bibles and understand the timing of things, Jesus was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning on Friday. And he hung there to around 2 or 3 in the afternoon on Friday. There was seven sayings that Jesus said when he was on the cross, and all are significant. And we're going to get into one or two of those in a moment. But we need to realize Jesus on that Good Friday hung on that cross for all of us from 9 o'clock in the morning to around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And these sayings that we're going to quote in a second are significant, and they mean something today. Now, I know you've heard this term before, at least a lot of you have, and... I agree with it, but there's more to the story than this. We hear about this, and you go to church and you hear, salvation is a free gift. Salvation is free. The gift of God is free. Forgiveness is free. Salvation is free. That's partially true. 
Salvation is free, but it wasn't cheap. The reason it's free is because it costs you nothing, but it costs God everything. And it cost God all he had. God bankrupt heaven so we could have salvation, so we could have freedom, so we could have a new life, so we could have forgiveness. So salvation is free for us. That's the good news of the gospel. But it wasn't free for God. Salvation costs a lot, and it costs God everything, and it costs God the most important thing to him, which was his son, to redeem us and to rescue us. And that's why I don't want us to neglect this or get too familiar, because if you hear salvation is free, you will think it didn't cost anybody anything, but it did. Just not you. But it cost God everything he had. And that is the good news of the gospel. It would be bad news if we had to earn it. The good news is it's free for us, but it costs God everything. And that's the gospel. So salvation is free, but it's not cheap. It costs God everything he had to redeem us and to rescue us. So let's turn over to John 19, 28 and 30 in the New Living Translation. And we're going to read here for a second. This is a couple of the last sayings of Jesus. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put it on hyssop branch and held it to his lips. In verse 30, this is a key verse, it says, When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Notice Jesus said, after he tasted it, It is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I love this about God is when talking about when Jesus said it's finished. And then he said he gave up his spirit. There's a verse and you can just write this down in John 10, 18. I love it. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. But I lay it down on my own accord. Do you realize the Jews didn't kill Jesus? The Romans didn't kill Jesus. We didn't kill Jesus. Jesus decided to be a sacrifice himself. And he said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. When they arrested him, they only arrested him because Jesus said, you can't arrest me. They only beat him because he said, you can beat me. He only went to the cross and suffered that because he allowed them to put him through that. And notice... Him, even being on the cross, didn't go to heaven until he gave up his spirit. Because Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. That makes the story even more beautiful that he wasn't forced into this relationship with us. He chose to do this for us. He chose to lay down his life. He chose to be beaten. He chose to go to the cross. He chose to lay down his life as a sacrifice for all of us. And even on the cross, he didn't leave his body until he said, I'm finished. And notice it says he gave up his spirit. Jesus himself said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down because of my choice. Jesus said on the cross before he left his body, he said, it is finished. 
it is finished. And we realize that it was finished, but it wasn't over. Come on, where are the Pentecostals at when I'm saying that? It was finished what he was called to do in his physical body right then, but it wasn't over. You know, they say it's not over to the fat lady sings, and I wouldn't say that because that's a dangerous comment to make. But people say that, people you've heard say that, not you, of course. But people say it's not over to the fat lady sings. It's not over to God says it's over. And yes, it was finished what Jesus was called to do, but it wasn't over. And I want to encourage some people today. There could be some things in your life that are finished. But notice, that's, that's just a season of your life. That's not your whole life. And it might be finished, but that doesn't mean your life is over. God still has more. God still has greater. God still has a future. God still has a hope. And just because something is finished doesn't mean it's over. If it was true for him, it's true for us. And yes, it was finished, the work he came to do, but it wasn't over because it's not over till God says it's over. But he was saying it was finished with what he was called to do on this earth. He had finished what he was called to do. And then he gave up his spirit. But it wasn't over because we know this throughout our Bible that he physically died on that cross. Jesus physically died when he said it is finished. And then it says he gave up his spirit. He physically died because when your spirit is not in your body... It brings death, and your body dies, and they put him in a tomb for three days. But there's a lot of things that happen in this story that you don't see on face value. You don't see just in the natural or the physical because there's things happening behind the scenes that you don't see until you get into your Bible and understand there was a lot more things going on than just what your eyes could see. And so he physically died. At that moment on the cross, he physically was dead in that tomb for three days. But you know, his spirit was still alive. And his spirit, throughout your Bible, it says that he went to hell for three days. He went to hell for three days. And he was punished. And he was tortured. How many are thankful he went to hell so we don't have to? I'm glad somebody went there, just not me. Thank God he went to hell. He experienced all of hell for three days. He took the punishment as a sinner, as taking our sin. And he was in hell for three days. But then after the three days were over, God the Father said, that's enough. Why? Because it's not over until God says it's over. The thing about the devil is the devil always thinks he's in charge, but he doesn't realize he's not. He doesn't have the last say. He doesn't have the last laugh. He doesn't get to make the decision to make the rules. God does. And after three days, God said, that's enough. It's okay if I preach about redemption on uh, Easter Sunday. Is it all right? I can't tell by your face. Some of you are acting like you're in hell right now, but you're not. You're in heaven. (laughs) You'd be a little more excited if you realized that Jesus went to hell for three days so you don't ever have to. Just a tad bit exciting. I don't know. You know, more exciting than the NCAA basketball game last night. I mean, it's more exciting. 
So Jesus was there for three days, and God the Father said, that's enough. And the power of this story is it implies that the Holy Spirit, which is the presence and power of God, went into hell and resurrected Jesus because he was spiritually dead at that time because he was taking our punishment and our shame and our sin and our sickness and our disease and our depression and everything that we would face. And he was spiritually dead in hell. But the Holy Spirit went down into hell and he resurrected the spirit of Jesus and he came alive. And my Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us as believers. Now, if you're not a believer today, you can get in on that because that's some good stuff. The same spirit that went into hell and resurrected Jesus is the same spirit that lives in you? And you're stressed out about your bills? And you're stressed out about your future? And you're freaking out because everybody doesn't like you at work? Come on now, somebody. The same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you. And the Holy Spirit resurrected him in hell. Can anything good come out of hell? One time and one time only. (laughs) And it says that Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. You know, if it says he was the firstborn, that implies there was more that were born after him. I'm one. Anybody else in here? Are you one of those? If he was the firstborn, that means there was others born after him. And today there are billions and billions and billions of believers all around the world and in heaven that are people that were born after the firstborn. But Jesus was the first person born again. And he was born again in hell. And when he left hell and he paid the punishment, it says he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And like we read last week, it says in Genesis, he was prophesying about Jesus to come. And it says that the enemy will bruise your heel, but Jesus will crush your head. Now, when it says crush your head, that means that Jesus is going to come and he's going to take back your authority. He's going to take back your lordship. He's going to take back your a dominion that you had over mankind, the dominion you had over the world, the dominion you had. Jesus is going to come take that back. When did he take it back? Right then. When he was resurrected in hell, he took back the keys of hell, death, and the grave from the devil. And crushed his head. And then, not only was he spiritually alive, but his spirit came back into his mortal body. And Jesus got out of that grave. Alive. The Bible says, alive forevermore. He who was dead, but now is alive forevermore. In a physical body, he resurrected. He wasn't just a ghost walking around, resurrected. His body was actually resurrected from the grave. But that's not the end of the story. There was an exchange that took place for you and I. Now let's look over at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. Brother Daryl, could you come up and play for a moment here? Come on, you guys getting something today so far. I appreciate you coming. 
So there was some things that were happening behind the scenes that we don't see. We didn't see Jesus doing all these things behind the scenes. We saw him physically dying, physically being beaten, but you didn't see spiritually what was going on at the time of the cross and the time of the resurrection and what God did for us and through us and in us because of Jesus. But I'm going to try to tell you a little bit about what happened. So 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus became everything we were so that we could become everything he is. Come on, that's noteworthy right there. Get your pencils out. Jesus became everything we were, which was bad. (laughs) Nothing good. So that we could become everything he is. I love it. It says over in the New Testament, as he is, so are we in this world. Because he's not here anymore. He's in heaven. But notice, as he is right now, so are we in this world. Now, how could we be that? Because we became everything he is. We became holy. We became righteous. We became healed. We became prosperous. We became forgiven. We became redeemed. So as he is right now, he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. But as he is, so are we in this world. So he became everything that we are so that we could become everything he is. Now we talked about the great exchange today and about what Jesus has done for us. But the definition of exchange is this. It's an act of giving one thing and receiving another of the same type or value. An exchange is the act of giving one thing and receiving another of the same type or value. You realize when Jesus exchanged with us, it wasn't the same type. It wasn't the same value. That's why it's a great exchange for us. And you can say, God, you're getting the short straw here. Isn't he? So God, you get everything bad about me, everything wrong with me, and I get everything right about you. It sounds like an unfair exchange. But it's a great exchange for us. And it says that this exchange took place at the cross, at the resurrection. And God, notice, he doesn't feel like he drew the short straw. We say that because we base it off of our human love. And our human love says we only want people based on what they can do for us. But God's love is unconditional. God's love loves us for us. And God was willing to do that for us because he wants us. He doesn't want the things you do for him today. He wants you. That's why he doesn't feel like he got the short end of the straw because he got us. He doesn't get us perfect. He doesn't get us right. He doesn't get us doing everything the right way all the time, but he gets us, and that's what he wanted all along. The closest thing to that in this world is the love of a parent or a grandparent. 
You know that to be true? How many parents or grandparents in here? The closest thing we can see on this side of eternity to the love that God has for us is the love of a parent. The love of a grandparent because it's that unconditional love. You don't love your kids for what they will do for you. You love them for them. Isn't that right? Come on, grandparents. You know that you don't love them for what they did for you. You love them for them. It's the same way with God. God loves us not for what he's getting in exchange for us. He loves us for us. And because of the cross, he gets us. And he's okay with getting us broken and beat up and dirty and messed up. He's not worried about that. Why? Because he has healing. He has forgiveness. He has restoration. He has a new life. Kind of like the story of the prodigal son. You don't have to clean up before you come home. Just come home and we'll take care of all that stuff later. And God wants us for us. He doesn't want us like humans do for what you can do for me. God wants you for you. It's unconditional. That's why our human minds don't understand sometimes when we're in church and we talk about the gospel. We talk about God wanting us. We're like, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because we have human love. We don't know about the love of God, unconditional, undeserved. But God wants us for us. And because of what Jesus did, He gets us. And that's the exchange that took place. At the cross, Jesus became so we could become. I'm going to tell you a few things that happened at the cross. Can I tell you a few things? At the cross, Jesus became sin so we could become righteous. Or we could be right with God. At the cross, Jesus became sickness so we could become healed. At the cross, Jesus became depressed so we could have joy. At the cross, Jesus became anxious and stressed and worried so we could become peace. At the cross, Jesus became a curse for us so that we could be blessed and live in the blessing of God. Come on, are you getting some today in this house? At the cross, Jesus ultimately became death so that we could have new life. So Jesus became everything we were, which wasn't good, so we could become everything He is. There was an exchange that took place. It was a beautiful exchange. It was a great exchange for us. And that's what happened at the cross. And now all that God requires is that we receive it. That's it. It's available for us. We just have to receive it. I'm going to share one more story with you before we close. Uh, You can just write this down. In Genesis 48, uh, there's this story about Jacob. Some of you know who Jacob was. He was one of the patriarchs of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob had a son named Joseph. Joseph, same Joseph, coat of many colors, Joseph. But Joseph had two sons, 
named Manasseh and Ephraim. And in Genesis 48, it tells this story. Jacob was about to go home to be with the Lord. He was a very elderly man. And Joseph wanted Jacob to pray over his sons, pray over them and pronounce the blessing on them. And we see that, especially in Bible times, but still in the Eastern culture, it's like this today. They believe strongly in the blessing. And to pray over future generations and bless them. It was significant. It was anointed. It was a powerful time. I realize our Western culture doesn't do a lot of stuff like that, so we don't understand what was going on. So Jacob was an elderly man, and it says he was laying in bed. And Joseph, his son, brought Manasseh and Ephraim to him to be blessed by Jacob, who was the grandfather, and pronounced the blessing on him. And there was something else that happened when they blessed the future generations. When they would bless the future generations, they would give a special blessing to the firstborn son. The firstborn son got double from what everybody else got. The firstborn son was the favored son, was the blessed son, was the son with the authority, was the son who would take on the family heritage, was the firstborn son. So what happens is Jacob was about to pray over these two grandchildren, and Joseph brought Manasseh and Ephraim to Jacob, and he put Manasseh on his right hand because the right hand is significant. The right hand means blessing. It means authority. It means power. That's why it says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And so we see that as Jacob was sitting there, he put Manasseh at the right hand because he was the firstborn, and he put Ephraim on the left side. Now the left side, you got something, but it was just like, you're really blessed? Yeah, you're blessed, dude. It's kind of like, yeah, thanks a lot, Grandpa. Like, he was just like, you're blessed, you're favored. I love you, Manasseh. And then there's Ephraim. Yeah, you're blessed too, okay. I mean, that's kind of how you felt if you were the second-born son. But I want to tell you something significant that happened. Are you still here? Are you listening today? There's something that happened, and it's pointing us to Christ. It's pointing us to the cross. It's pointing us to the future. What happened was that Jacob, when he was about to pray for his two grandsons, he crossed his arms. And instead of blessing the older firstborn son, he blessed Ephraim. And he put his left hand on Manasseh. And in the story, Joseph said, Dad, I think you're getting a little too old. Your eyesight is not good. Do you realize what you're doing? And he said, yeah, I do realize what I'm doing. I did it on purpose. There's significance in this story because Ephraim is all of us. Ephraim is the son who was born wrong. Come on, are you here today? He was born wrong. He was born and he didn't deserve the blessing. He didn't deserve the favor. He didn't deserve the father's blessing and his favor and his authority. And he was born wrong. And that all of us in here, we're all born into sin. We're born wrong. We're messed up from the time we come out of our mother's womb. It says we are born in sin and we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are born wrong. 
And then the other son, Manasseh, that's Jesus. He was born right. He was born deserving the blessing. He was born earning and he needed the blessing and the authority and all that belonged to him because he was the firstborn son. He was born right. Isn't that what Jesus was? He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But Jacob crossed his arms and he blessed Ephraim with the blessing of the firstborn, the blessing of the one who deserved it and earned it, and he gave Manasseh the blessing that was on the left hand. It's significant because that's what happened at the cross. God crossed his arms. And the son that didn't deserve it, the son that didn't earn it, the son that was born wrong, received the blessing of favor. Received the blessing of the firstborn. Received the blessing that he didn't deserve, that he didn't earn. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding. And Jesus got what Ephraim deserved. So yeah, there was a cross that was taking place, but spiritually, the Heavenly Father crossed His arms. And He pronounced a blessing on us, but a curse on Him. He pronounced sickness on Him, but healing for us. He pronounced depression over here, but joy for us and peace for us. He crossed His arms for us. And so we receive the blessing. Not because we were born right. Not because we earned it. But because of the Father's choice to bless us. He crossed His arms. There's something that happened that when Jacob prayed over them and Joseph kind of got on his dad and said, Hey, you shouldn't be doing this. He said, not so, Father, not so. You got, you got your hands mixed up. Maybe you can't see. This one doesn't deserve it. You need to get your hands back where they were. And, of course, in that time, when they bless somebody, whether it was right or wrong, it's over. You remember a story also in the Bible, Jacob and Esau? Jacob cheated Esau out of his birthright blessing. But after he prayed for him, it was like, too bad. And that's what was happening here. He was like, well, I already prayed for Ephraim. He's got the blessing. And know what the Bible says? What God has blessed, no one can curse. It can't be reversed. It can't be changed. God has already made up his mind that we are blessed, that we are favored, that we are forgiven. And it doesn't matter if the enemy says, not so. It doesn't matter if other people say, not so. You can't be forgiven. You can't get your life back. You can't have a future. God can't heal you. God can't turn your life around. It doesn't matter if he says, not so. The father says, I've already blessed him. I can't change it now. Can't reverse it. Because what God has blessed, no one can curse but let 
those voices be silent today that are in your heart, that are in your mind. It could be a parent, could be friends, it could be your past, could be the enemy that are saying not so. Because that's not what God is saying. God is saying, yes, I choose to bless you. I choose to forgive you. I choose to make you righteous. I choose to heal you. So when Jesus was on that cross, the Father was crossing his arms and giving the blessing to the son who didn't deserve it, the son who didn't earn it, Ephraim. It's interesting that the name Manasseh means to make forgetful. Because of what our Manasseh did, Jesus, our sins are forgotten. Our sins are forgotten. Not just forgiven, forgotten. How does that happen? He's God. I don't know how he does that, but he says, your sins I will remember no more. He's God. I guess he could just make himself do that. But your sins are not just forgiven, they're forgotten. And Manasseh means to make forgetful. Because of Jesus, our Manasseh, the Father has been forgetful about our sins, about our past, about what we've done wrong. But notice the name Ephraim, that's all of us. The name Ephraim means to be fruitful. God was forgetful so we could be fruitful. <laughs> He became so we could become. He became everything we were so he, we could become everything he is. Notice he became sin so we could be righteous. He became sick so we could be healed. He became depressed so we could have joy. He became anxious so we could have peace. He became a curse so we could be blessed. And he died so we could live. <laughs> 